reason for my move to Nova Scotia was a piece of courtesy to the Newfoundland audience. They couldn't withstand this assault upon their good sense anymore. Their charity was exhausted, and I thought just as a thank you, I should leave them alone for at least a year. Yeah, of course. Well, we tried this last year, and many of you actually liked it so much you wanted more. So here we are again with just that. More Rex, your questions uh -oh. for Rex. And, you know, that opening. Yeah, it's special it, to have your own opening. Well, yeah, it is. This is a kind of little little badge, and especially one with, with a, a former giant himself, Peter Zosky, in mm -hmm. the days that many people won't remember 90 Minutes Live. I've given Newfoundland a longer rest since then, as you may have noticed. It may be time to go back and harass him some more. Oh, Rex, <laughs> please. All right, let's get okay, to the questions. Get... First question, Rex, who is your favorite orator and why? Favorite and that comes from Terry and Joanna Miller in Surrey, B.C. There are many great examples, modern century, Martin Luther King, obviously Churchill, but if you're going to one that has permanence both on the written oratory, and oratory can be written, and also for the consequences of what he said, it has to be Abraham Lincoln. You've heard Andrew Coyne on your panel, was mm. always going on about we must renovate the democracy and bring back real debate. Well, when Lincoln debated Douglas, and when Lincoln did the inaugural speeches, when Martin Luther King made his own speech in front of the Lincoln Memorial, there were echoes of Lincoln's speeches in Martin Luther King's head. He's the great stream of modern speech in politics. Is oratory a past art? No, it's just taken a different form. In an age that had no televisions and no radios, then in the house was a different thing. You spoke to the group in the house. Television oratory began with, and most successfully, you know his speechwriter, Mr. Sorensen, with, mm -hmm. uh, with President Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. People who know how to speak on television from an executive office. Pierre Trudeau was excellent at it. Uh, Reagan was a master. Obama can do both the crowd one, or could, and the television one. So there is, every age has its own form. But he tends to go on too long, Obama. He tends to go on too long, and he's got very bad speechwriters. I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, the people who are writing his speeches, in some cases, don't know grammar. They haven't got a good range of illusions. Sorensen was so far in advance of the crowd that's writing for Obama that it's not even up for discussion. But he has the potential to be great. Oh, he's got, the, he's got the gift he, he himself. Can be quite something. All right, here we go. Second question. This one uh, also coming in by email from Sandy Cameron in Etobicoke. What do you think about the recent reactions to the metadata surveillance revelations in both the U.S. and Canada? In the context of our electronic age, what are the realistic trade-offs between freedom, privacy, and security? You should be grievously worried about it even if we weren't in the electronic age. But it's even worse now for two reasons, not for one. The machinery for getting into your private material, email, phones, anything. We know the machinery is already there. Secondly, as opposed to previous times, like the 19th century, early 20th century, we as individuals, at least in the West, have devalued privacy itself. I mean, when they talk, the talk shows, the Springers, private life, as we used to understand it, has become very narrow. So the little bit of privacy that is left is under siege from the great machinery of computers, technology, and surveillance. We should be very, very jealous always of what we regard as sacred and private to us. And the moment you give them lights, there is a trade-off. You can't be absolute, but they should be overlooked and supervised every single step of the way. Next question comes in by video. I was going to go at you a little bit on, on that last one, though, right on the security angle. I okay. mean, you don't buy at times when security play trumps all those other cards? When you have tremendous conflict. I'm sure in the case of Churchill and Ultra, they had the secrets of the Nazis mm -hmm. and the code. And in some cases, it, it, some people argue the bombing of Coventry could have been protected 
that could have been forestalled if they'd revealed they had the secrets. Well, in a life and death conflict, good and evil, and I believe the Second War was Nazism versus you know, democracy, good and evil, there are ultimate moments when I'll cancel my reservations. But in times when we're not under a threat of that magnitude, don't let a super powerful government, the U.S., with the technologies that couldn't even be dreamed about 30 years ago, start literally going into your bedroom, your kitchen, and everywhere else. Right. I, I understand the dilemma, but be jealous of your own freedoms. All right. This next question comes uh, by video. Watch this. Hey, Rex. My name is Arishana, and I'm from Scarborough, Ontario. I have two questions for you. My first question is, I want to be a political correspondent just like you. So what advice do you have for future journalists such as myself? My second question is, what hair products do you use because you have such fabulous hair? <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Like, where do you get those hair products? I am very, very, very careful about discussing a matter of hair with the anchor of the national news. I don't think we want to go into that no, desolate territory. No, you're right. We don't want to go there. I don't think there. we do. Uh, I, 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 I thank the lady for a compliment I have not received in, in my entire life. Uh, on her less important question, on mm. the nature of journalism, I have really simple formulas myself. Keep detached. It's more difficult than you think. Everybody favors certain things. Everybody has certain ideals. Even your ideals can corrupt if it leads you to see things only in one way. Secondly, clean your mind of all common and cliched associations. Thirdly, journalism is a craft and an art, and it can be learned at universities, but it's more important to read history, to read literature, to read mathematics. Stock your mind before you enter the trade. And beware, finally, of the herd mentality that does exist in our profession. But I'd say read English, read history, read the sciences, read as much as you can, and meet as many smart people as is possible. So you're not corrupted by any positions that you've uh, held uh, in the past. I, I make it a point to be extremely cautious about joining any wide-held sentiment. There have been too many delusions, too many false starts. And I'm not speaking of the last 20 years. I'm speaking of the last 500. Everything from tulip mania, you know, to the, 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 the sudden discoveries around the turn of the centuries about eugenics. Uh, there are many current examples, too. We once had a large argument. <laughs> but it is, skepticism is the first tool of the journalist as it is the first tool of the scientist. All right, let's whip through these. What do you think should happen with the Senate? Is there any vital role or purpose left for them anymore that outweighs the huge financial cost and now financial scandal present? Kerry Hauer from uh, Alberta. You'd have to really, really shake it up. It is unfortunate for those people in the Senate, there are some. I always use Kirby as an example because he did all that work on mental health that they should be tarred with the extravagances and in some cases the possible criminality of some who are there. They've done such a wicked job on it, it's hard to rescue. Secondly, politicians, Pierre Trudeau, Ryan Mulroney, the current occupant, they've all made it a dumping ground for their best fundraisers and their best party workers. That, may, that was never its understood intent. It should be people like Eugene Forsey who can contribute to the mind and the feelings of Canada. If we have an upper house, it should be of people that we can literally admire. They've fallen down on that one. You know, when I was growing up as a little boy in Ottawa, Senator Eugene Forsey yeah. used to walk past my house ah. every day on the way down to the Senate. But does it not make the example? Here he mm -hmm. was, yeah, appointed sure. by Trudeau, but he said, I'm NDP, I'm going to speak when I want to. He loved the Constitution, he talked Canada. What senator does that now? 
Next one by video from, uh, came in on Skype from Rankin Inlet oh. in uh, Nunavut. Here it is. Hi, Rex. I'm Susan Noseworthy from Rankin Inlet, Nunavut. My question is, I'm amazed by your vast vocabulary, but sometimes befuddled as to what the words mean. When was the last time you heard a word and didn't know what it meant, and what was the word? <laughs> hey, Susan, you're not alone. Well, <laughs> the befuddlement is deliberate. If people understood what I say, I would not be on the air. <laughs> no, that's not, not quite true. Uh, I run across words I don't understand almost every day. Uh, apart from reading current stuff, I like to read really old stuff. And the word I'm going to give Susan right now, I'm reading, is the case, The Anatomy of Melancholy by Robert Burton. It was written about the turn of the 1600s. It's full of old words. I used one about the Senate there last week in the commentary, mm -hmm. dizzards. Uh, the word I give to Susan, though, is macerate, which means to soak in a liquid uh, and to weaken. You might macerate your ideas by hanging around with politicians. You would dilute them. It has a pejorative sense. The second one I toss at her while she's here is cachination. If you're looking at the question period or the Senate, you might want to laugh out loud. And finally, because she asked the question, I brought this in. It's called Reading the Oxford English Dictionary. One man, one year, 21,000 pages. This has a nice little taste of odd and different words. So if she's interested, reading the OED. It's given to me by my doctor. He figures I need more words. There's not 21,000 pages in that book. Yeah, there are 20 volumes of that. Oh, this one? No, heaven forbid, man. <laughs> All right. Email. Why isn't the press on the Prime Minister's case about not having regular press conferences? He has so much to explain, he's avoiding his responsibility. Bill Phelps from Burnaby. I don't think the, the question in this case, the onus is not on the press. I think the press, more or less, and the Ottawa Gallery in particular, have made huge and long complaints and columns have been written about the lack of communication via the press conference. Uh, it's, a, it's unfortunately, in the modern political world, be more and more in every jurisdiction. The Prime Minister, much like the press, are reading politics as a game. He shouldn't have to be pushed to give press conferences, in my point. You are the prime minister of the country. You speak to the country at regular intervals. And secondly, you open yourself to reasonable interrogation at reasonable intervals, just to keep pace with the, the course of events. One of the reasons why he's so, meaning Mr. Harper, uh, so fled, so wounded by the Senate business, is that he refuses to declare his own heart. I have, I'd add one thing to the question. It's not just the press conferences. When really big things happen, either they're scandals or big issues, the prime minister should speak to the Canadian people. You asked me who's my favorite order. Politicians today are always speaking someone else's words. What does Stephen Harper really think about the Senate? I'd like to hear it. I mean, really, not the patter. And what does he really think if we don't get EU trade or we don't do environment or whatever? Right. Speaking his own voice. Um, you know, just for context, you can go right back to Trudeau. Yeah. None of them have None taken of advantage of the opportunity of regular press conferences or speeches to the nation unless in times of crisis. And they, all, and they hedge themselves about by these pseudo-professionals. And the professionals are getting them in more trouble than if they spoke their heart. And usually the professionals are saying, no, no, no. Don't, exactly. Don't go out there and stay Wrong. away. All right. Video question. Here it is. Hi, Rex. I'm Alex Cameron in Windsor, Ontario. And I wonder if Canadian politics is better or worse as a result of technology. Oh, that's a good one. Well, I'd say that the discussion uh, about it is somewhat worse. Uh, Canadian politics, not to the degree of the American, has really become sharpened around the camps. The NDP camp, the Liberal camp, the Tory camp, even the Green camp. And these are so sharp. The new technology has, has opened up a whole range of instant response. Twitter is, is the classic example, but blogs are pretty close to it where you get people who are already hyper about their own side of things. 
and discussion becomes insult, becomes you know, pseudo-controversy. While the instruments are there to give us much more information, people are more tuned to gossip, to fight, to polemic, and to partisanship. We need less instant response and more considered response, both in the press gallery, both in the public, and in the comments. I'm going to have to take a break, but we'll be back with some fun questions that you won't want to miss. Well, back with Rex Murphy and your questions. Let's get right to the uh, final ones. Love this. Who does a better impersonation of Rex Murphy? Mark Critch? 22 <laughs> minutes, Mark Critch. Or Rex Murphy? Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a wisdom in the question. Uh, anybody who's on air, I don't know if you want to admit it, anybody who's on air is performing a role, so they are imitating something, but give credit where credit is due. Critch is a better me than me. <laughs> but of the people who are doing me, and God thank them for it, we need all the publicity Mark we can get. I used to like Don Ferguson. He didn't have the accent because he's not a Newfoundlander. But he made me, he, he recognized that I'm half crazy. He had a zany side to the way that he did things. And I always... Critch thinks you're just normal. Because <laughs> yeah, well, he's from Newfoundland yeah, too, right. right? He suffers the same intake of screech as I did. Uh, but Ferguson somehow had a, had a zany uh, side or an absurd side. Well, let's watch him. Here's okay. Don Ferguson doing Rex Murphy. <laughs> After 37 days watching the preternatural partisanship, provocative pusillanimity, and solipsistic spin that characterizes political campaign advertising, today's balloting reflects nothing if not voters' confusion about the party leaders' images. <laughs> well, he certainly picked up one of your he's old really, scripts. He's really good. <laughs> See, that's he's better. very good. That's so he's, better. he's your no, choice. No, he's better than me. Okay. Um, no question. This will sound like a little bit of an echo, but... Okay. Uh, watch this question by video. My name is Helen Reed. I'm from Ottawa. My question for Rex is, would you like to sit in the Senate of Canada? And if an appointment were offered, would you accept it? All right. The reason why I say it was a bit of an echo yeah. is because we had this question yes, last year, but there's recall. a method to my madness. Watch last year's uh, question. As no, it came in, no, your answer. no, and no. No, it wouldn't fit. Uh, it, it, a, I don't want it. B, I think it's a very bad thing, hello Mike, for journalists to jump across the river. <laughs> hello Mike, referring to uh, that was a bit an old colleague That of ours, was a bit Mike proleptic. Duffy. He came into the news after that. Only yeah. thing, I'd add one more. This is something, uh, two things actually. All the people that are now apologizing, your interview, for example, with Pamela Wallen. I have no animus with Pamela, as you probably we all know. She's very sorry, and she should have paid more attention. Sorry is, is not just a word, it's an action. People who are sorry resign. She resigned from Porter Airlines, which is not as important as the Senate, but it's in the Senate she made her errors. Secondly, an illustration of the idea of the Senate. Joey Small, when he went, went out of office, was bankrupt. He literally ran out of money and sheriffs came to his door. They offered him a position in the Senate. He turned it down. He's 75 by that time. Why? He had been a premier, and he didn't think it right that a premier should slop in the patronage bucket. Imagine that tone of mind if that were present today. So, but my answer to the question again is no, 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 oh, okay. no. So let, let's just be firm on the no. The phone rings, you pick yep, it up. Absolutely. It's Stephen Harper says yep. we've got suddenly a vacancy Not a chance created by all this. <laughs> not several chances of Not hell. a chance. Multiply the salary by 10, not a chance. So Zero. It's about the money of 20 times? No, <laughs> don't want to mix it. Wouldn't be right, wouldn't be able to go to doors. All right. Well, a lot of people in our journalism profession now thinking, or actually have always thought, 
the journalists don't belong in the Senate. No, they don't. And they, they should really say don't. no. There, there have been journalists who've said no. Trust me. You I might have that. one or two journalist philosophers of truly great mind. They might have had, you know, a George Will somewhere down in the States. But the idea that a working journalist in contest with politicians, somehow or other, ends up with the plum. It makes no sense. And we always go on about what seems to be right. Well, you can't bear it. I don't understand how some of them literally can go out of doors. All right. Senator, good of you to talk to us. <laughs> well, my friend the Pope, it's good to be here. <laughs> Rex Murphy. Rex gets his summer break now, but you can be sure if there's a reason to pull him off the beach, because we know that's where he's going. Or the hairdressers. We'll do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, there are a few more questions we've got, and Rex has agreed to answer them on a web extra up online right now.